I don't know. We, we got them in our woods. Hmm? We bought it last year. You bought it last year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. These people, th- maybe we won't, don't go to the, Mar- the Morley's house for, for old bird, old bird. Matthew chapter 14, Brother Jim read our text. Moving along here, Jesus had just got through the place of uh, going through the parables, and then he is here at his, at his hometown um, uh, trying to do a, a work there, and of course they didn't really want it. And, uh, and he would have done more. He's always willing to do more in our life if we'd allow him. Don't forget that. He's always willing to do more. And as we move on here from this place, it says, And at that time that Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus. And Herod was, this Herod here is a Herod Antipas. He was, he was uh, Antipas, the, the son of Herod the Great. And he is, it says here, the Tetrarch here of, um, over this area of, of Israel. A Tetrarch means that he had rulership over a quarter, a quarter of the kingdom. One quarter. When Herod died, Herod the Great died, he split up his kingdom between three of his sons and one and his sister, his one sister. And so the Herod Antipas, a a a son of Herod the Great, has a rulership over a quarter, a tetrarch of this kingdom. And he heard of the fame of Jesus. And when you go to Israel and you see how small it is, it's no doubt that uh news uh, would travel and that eventually you, it's it's amazing to me who didn't hear about Jesus. That's what's more amazing to me of all that he did. Could you imagine feeding 5,000 and nobody heard about it? That, that'd be strange. Our friends that were missionaries in Kenya, as remote as they were in the bush and up in uh, Eldoret and, and uh, all those areas near Sudan and northern Kenya, they said it was always amazing with the lack of technology how quickly news traveled in those areas. And it got around. Uh, every village had their busybody, I guess, and their townie that knew everything going on and let everybody know about it. But Herod here, Antipas, had heard the fame of Jesus. And he said unto his servants, uh-oh, this is John the Baptist. Now, remember, Herod's a Jew. He knew the law. They believed in the, many of them, uh, except for the Sadducees, believed in the resurrection. They believed that there could be a resurrection. Even the Romans and all of their deities believed that there could be a resurrection and, uh, and that gods, they believed, could come to the earth. The Romans did. And But here Herod is with his Jewish background. He, he heard about the fame of Jesus, the miracles of the Lord Jesus. Remember, Jesus and his cousin, his earthly cousin, John, were only about six months apart. And uh, he thought he is risen from the dead and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. This is really kind of fascinating, actually, because Herod, who has really distanced himself in all ways from his, his roots, is now a little bit nervous. I mean, he says this because he's a little nervous. He thought, uh-oh, he's come back, <laughs> right? He's come back to, I don't know, hunt me down, something. So why is he so nervous about it? Why is he so concerned that this Jesus is maybe John the Baptist raised from the dead? Verse 3, for he had laid hold on John and bound him and put him in prison for Herodias's sake, his brother Philip's wife. So this is the the ancient um, the ancient uh, uh, soap opera of their day. This was the days of our lives, or whatever my sisters used to watch. 
General Hospital. Oh, boy, I shouldn't name these. These are long. I've, I've heard they're still on, I guess. I, I mean, these people have got to be ancient. No, certainly they have new people. But uh, this, was, this was like, this was terrible. This was a, a soap opera of their day. Um, uh, Herod uh, is now married to his brother Philip's wife, right? Philip's not dead. He's just, they've just, he's just taken his wife from him, okay? And John the Baptist came to him and said, Bubba, you can't do this. This is wrong. This is against the word of God. This is wrong. If you want to go back to a book, chapter, and verse, go back. you can go to Leviticus 18 and verse 16. And God said that it, it was not lawful for you to uncover the nakedness of thy brother's wife. You can't have your brother's wife to marry if your brother's still alive. Now, if your brother has died, we understand the role of kinsman redeemer. And if there's no children and carrying on the children uh, by the by uh, uh, for, for your brother. But that's not what was going on here. He's alive and he just wanted his wife. And so he took his wife and John the Baptist came to him and told him that, no, you're wrong to do this. It's unbiblical. It's unscriptural. You are sinning against God. And so. In, 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 so so what, what Herod ends up doing is he ends up uh, getting a little uh, bit of retaliation and he arrests John Baptist and puts him in prison, right? His new wife doesn't like it that he said such a thing. And so here we go. He said he would have put him to death, but he feared the people for they counted him as a prophet. So yeah, it, it, it's bad. it's one thing just to kill somebody who comes up against you, but he was at least concerned enough. He had at least enough concern to understand the background of this Herod, this kind of his mindset. He had at least enough concern that the people thought this guy is a prophet, and they thought, well, I'm just going to put him in prison. Jeremiah was put in prison, right? Uh, you know, I'll just put him in prison and leave it there. So as time moves on, we see here that they've got a wicked ruler. Amen. This is not this is not a really this is not a really good uh, king to have, and uh, there 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 is uh, this throne that's supposed to be established in righteousness over in Proverbs sixteen twelve that God has established the throne in righteousness. It's supposed to be a righteous throne. It's supposed to be a righteous king, but in this case, it is not. The ruler over this area of Israel, over uh, over the area of Galilee and Perea, which is from the Jordan River east on the northern part of Israel there, this ruler is a wicked ruler, and but he's brought up this powerful prophet. The people are very, uh, uh, they know who John the Baptist is. He puts him in prison and he just leaves him there. But we know what happens, don't we? Birthday parties. Right. This is not a righteous throne. Right. This is this is a reprobate in all ways. And here comes Herodias's daughter, not his daughter, his wife's daughter. Right. And not just his wife's daughter, if I'm not mistaken with how this all lays out here, it's his niece. It's his brother. If that if if this daughter is between Herodias and his brother's and his brother, that's his niece. And the Bible says she comes out and dances before him. Obviously, it was sensual. 
obviously it seems to me there was something sensual about it. I, maybe I'm reading too much into it. Whatever it is, whatever it is, it pleased Herod, right? Herod Antipas, it pleased him to the point he says, bravo, that was so good. Wow. Tell you what, I'll give you up to half of my kingdom. I will give you up to whatever you want. You name it and I'll give it to you. That's a pretty good deal, right? So she goes home to mom. What should I ask of uncle? No, dad of no, what, whatever he is. What should I ask of him? What should I ask? And her mother says, I'll tell you what you ask. I want John the Baptist's head. That's what I want. Wow. So she goes back to, he goes back to her uncle slash dad, whatever he is. And she says, give me here John Baptist's head in a charger. Pretty sad decree, wasn't it? Pretty sad day, actually. You know, the world likes to say that religion is responsible for all of the murders and killings and wars in the world. Can I tell you that is the furthest thing from the truth? There are, yes, there are those that have named all sorts of religion. There are those that have named Christ that have gone out and of some horrendous atrocities. And it is those who are true believers who are the first ones to rise up and say, Oh, no, that's not us. And no, that's not what God said. And no, God never commanded that. Can I tell you today, the world likes to say that we're like this, but some of the greatest atrocities ever, ever taken part in this world are for from godless, atheistic unbelievers. I'm, I'm sorry, friend, China killed like 20 or 40 million people in the 20th century alone. You look, at, you look at Stalin, you look at Mussolini, you look at Hitler. Millions of people were murdered by these atheists because they just wanted them off the planet. Don't, don't buy the lie that religion has started all the world's war. That is the furthest thing from the truth. You see here, Herod, a, a wicked man on a throne that's supposed to be a throne of righteousness, but he has absolutely sullied this throne and destroyed this throne. And he gets this, 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 uh, his brother's wife and his daughter finally comes along and wants now her birthday present or her reward for her birthday present. And she wants John the Baptist's head. And it says here in verse nine, the king was sorry. He didn't think this one through, did he? <laughs> Nevertheless, for the oath's sake, and them which sat with him at meat, he had to save face. He told her, whatever you want, there's a lot of witnesses there. And here he had to do it. And he sent and he beheaded John in prison. And his head was brought in a charger and given to the damsel. And she brought it to her mother. You know what I learned from this? Cancel culture is not new. <laughs> they were canceling opposition uh, thoughts a long time ago. They've been doing it ever since the beginning of time. And listen, we're doing it again today. If you don't talk, if you don't say just right, we'll take you off this platform and we'll remove you from this platform and we'll investigate your business to make sure you're doing everything up, up, up and up. And we'll go through your uh, house and wonder why you have these documents and we won't care about these documents at this house, but only, I mean, come on, it's been going on forever. John the Baptist opened his mouth. He spoke the truth. He spoke the word of God and he lost his head for it. 
Do you really think you're going to get a... Jesus said, those who live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You really think you're going to get out of this life unscathed if you, if you preach righteousness and truth? You're not going to. You're not going to. I'm thankful. We, I'm not worried about having losing my head. Some of the biggest things we worry about is a door being shut before we're done talking. Yeah, we just wanted to invite you up to church. Okay, whatever. We'll leave it on the door, right? I mean, I mean, we, we really don't face much friends, do we? We really don't. He lost his head. He lost his head. His disciples came, collected up the body. I have no idea what that's like to, to load up this lifeless body, headless body, and carry it out of a prison to wrap it up and give it a decent burial and a proper burial. It's what they did, though. They went and they took it. And look what it says here. The disciples came, verse 12, and he took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. You know, Jesus, remember when his disciples came, he was first in prison. You remember this? And his disciples came and said, John's having a little problem. They didn't say it this way, but he's, he was struggling in prison he was going through a little, a little bit of discouragement and doubts. And he came to Jesus and said, Are you the one who we should wait for or, or should we wait or, that we're waiting for? Is there somebody else? And Jesus said, No, go back and tell John, I've raised the dead. I've, I've healed the sick. I've, I, I've fed the multitudes. You know, he listed all of the works that he did. And he went away and the disciples went back and he told them. And Jesus turned to his audience and what did he say? What went ye out to see? A reed shaken in the wind? What went you out to see? Somebody clothed in fine raiment? And he said, no, that's not who. This, this, this man, this John the Baptist, he was a, a mighty man. He was a powerful man. He was a great prophet. He had a, he, he just, uh, um, there was a lot that Jesus said about him. Uh, obviously, he was prophesied to come before the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is God. He loved him. He loved John. How could he not? And word comes back, the one who he loves has just been executed. For what? Because he spoke truth. While this imposter sitting on the throne, Herod, right, can live in all wickedness, here goes a man of God who speaks truth and he loses his head for it. And look what he says here in, our te- in our, our te- verse 13. And when Jesus heard it, When Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. Don't ever think that God isn't affected by what we go through. God has emotions. He created us. We're made in His likeness and image. We see through the Word of God that God gets, has places of anger, righteous indignation. He has places, times of joy and, and, and happiness and, and things like that. He's pleased. And at times, he, His heart is broken. When the Bible says to, to quench not the Spirit, to grieve not the Spirit of God, we're talking about breaking the heart of God, breaking the heart of the Spirit of God. God has emotions. Jesus, when he heard the news of John the Baptist, he had to get away. He came to a desert place apart. He probably needed to spend maybe some time with his father. We're going to see here that his disciples are with him as well. But he went out into a desert place. He knows your pain today. 
we have not a high priest which cannot be touched by the feelings of our infirmities, but are in all points tempted as we yet without sin. Amen. Jesus knows exactly what we are going through. He understands us. He looked out over Jerusalem. He knows what rejection is like. And he looked out over Jerusalem and he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. He said, I would have gathered you together as a chicken gathers her hens, but ye would not. He understands the rejection that you're going through today. He understands what it is to lose somebody that you love. And he, when he wept over the grave of Lazarus, he understand, I think, even deeper of that weeping to watch the hopelessness in people around him, to the hopelessness of death to these people that do, did not really fully understand what it, uh, the, the life that Jesus came to bring. Jesus knows. He knows your pain. He knows our sorrows. Over in Mike, uh, Mark 6.31, Jesus told his disciples they had been really busy working and laboring in the ministry, and they said they didn't even have time to eat. And Jesus said, come ye, come ye yourselves apart and rest. Yeah. This is what he's doing here, I believe, as well. He needed to get away. He needed some time away. There is some heavy news. Listen, uh, God is always concerned about everything that, that comes into our life. He loved Lazarus. And it seemed like, it seems like Jesus on purpose found a place to get away for a little while. But that didn't last long. L look here. Uh, Look at, in, in, at the end of verse 13, the second part. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot out of the cities. No, no, they, they just heard he was out there. Doesn't seem like he called them there. It doesn't seem like they put the posters up all over town and there's going to be a meeting right out in the wilderness. Jesus is going to be there. Plenty of food. Come sick. Come with an ailment, you know, you know, find, find the lame friend and bring him. He's going to be here, right? It doesn't seem like that. They heard he was out there and they came on foot. It was almost like a last minute thing. They like, almost like they didn't make preparation for this. It's like, Jesus is, he's, he's just over here. Let's go. Let's go see him. And they went out and they followed him. Verse 14, and Jesus went forth and he saw the great multitude. Where did he go forth from? Going forth means you're going forward. He was somewhere and he came out to where they had gathered, obviously. I don't know what he was doing. The Bible doesn't say, but I love that little word there. He, came, he, went, he went forth and he saw the multitude. I don't know if he was alone to pray. I don't know if he was alone with his disciples talking about what had just happened with John. I don't know if he was trying to comfort his disciples here and they just understood what just happened. I don't know. But the multitude was there and he went to meet them. I love that about God. Do you realize he's always coming forth to meet us where we are? Draw nigh unto God and he'll draw nigh unto you. Yeah, you come close and he'll come to you. And look at this. He was moved. He was moved with compassion toward them. And he healed their sick. There's his emotion. He had compassion on the multitude. Said it before, wasn't as sheep without a shepherd. 
The sheep scattered along without, without a shepherd. These people, they had no hope. They, they were looking to him for the hope that they needed, for the healing that they needed, for what, what their needs were. And, and the Bible says here in verse 15, when it was evening, his disciples came to him. They've been there for a while, obviously, saying, this is a desert place and the time is now past. What's past? <laughs> Martin knows it's past supper time, Right? They're in a desert place. What's that mean? McDonald's is closed. McDonald's doesn't even exist. There's no restaurant out there. There's no food truck. There's no food uh, chariot out there, right? There's nobody out there fixing falafel and things like that out of the back and shawarma and all of these things. We Oh, don't you remember shawarma and falafel every day for lunch? Yes, I got so sick, I got schnitzel every time. I refused to eat shawarma. It was probably good, but I just like to say schnitzel for some weird reason. <laughs> they weren't out there, man. They were in the desert place. And it had gone past the time of supper time. And, 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 and they needed to be sent away. And that's what the disciples said, didn't they? Send them away. They need to go and they need to go back to the villages and they need to find themselves some food, some vittles. It's a good old word, isn't it? Get you some vittles. Yeah. Look what Jesus says to them. They need not depart. <laughs> they don't need to go back. I would have, I would have loved to have been there to watch the looks on their faces. Because all the time he was saying something, they're going, huh? I mean, this makes no sense. Don't, don't get excited. We do it too still today, all right? We still do that. What? That doesn't make any sense. He says, they need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Now, wait a minute. They don't have creative power. They're in a desert place. They can't just call down manna from heaven. They can't just create bread out of a rock or anything. They don't have that ability. But yet Jesus told them, give ye them to eat. Oh, there's an incredible spiritual application here. They're in a wilderness. There's a multitude there. There's this massive need that they have. And he says, you give them to eat. You give them to eat. And they say in them, verse 17, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. There's going to be 5,000 people plus women and children here. Five loaves, two fishes. Hold on, Jesus says, Jesus no, you feed them. You feed them. But Lord, all we have is five loaves and two fishes. Well, go, you feed them. Well, they need to go back to this town. No, you feed them. Lord, this is it. Look at the multitudes. Look what he says. Bring them hither to me. No, this is how we feed the multitudes. You bring them to Jesus. You don't have to make bread. It's not your word. It's his word. He's the bread of life. 
He's, he can do all things, right? Look unto me, Isaiah 45, 22. He says, look unto me and be ye saved, all ye ends of the world. Look unto me, Jesus said. Come unto me, all ye labor and heavy laden. I will give you rest. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus tells them, bring them hither to me. Bring them to me. And what does he do? He tells them, the multitude, go ahead and sit out. He sits them down on the grass. That's interesting. You go through the wilderness, been out in that wilderness, there's not much grass. This is why those Bedouins, they led their sheep all over there, constantly moving, trying to find grass. Why? There wasn't much of it. There's a, uh, at least we know there's grass here. You say, what's the meaning of that? I don't know. I just think it's very interesting. If you've ever looked out across the, the Judean wilderness and it's just brown and dust and dirt and sand and they found some grass, I think it's really cool. And he took five loaves and the two fishes looking up to heaven. He blessed it. He break it. And he gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples to the multitude. Did you know you will always go farther on a little with God's blessing than you will off the world's riches without it? I've often thought, you know, here's the world, you know, you look out at the prosperity of the wicked and you, you realize and sometimes you say, oh, they just, you know, they think they have it figured out in, the, in this life, but they don't. No, some of them do get life figured out for their own benefit. But they don't get eternity figured out. No, some of them do become greatly successful. Some of them do look like it and say, oh, I just love life. I've had a great life. But they've taken no thought of eternity. You'll always go farther with a little with God's blessing than you will with all the world's riches without it. He blessed it. He gave the, mo- the loaves to the disciples and it says the disciples to the multitude. Look what they did. They ate. They were filled. They took up the fragments that remained, 12 baskets full. We all know this. The events of this, uh, uh, the, uh, the, the details of this, uh, the, the events here, we know this. It said they had eaten were about 5,000 men besides women and children. I'm not even going to attempt to assume how many that is. Right? We know there's at least 5,000. I know that this. That's a lot of people eating. Eating so much there were fragments left over. Not like they ate bones and all because they were so hungry and there wasn't enough. There was just stuff left over. They were so full. That's how God does it. Amen. Amen. What's going on here? What's God showing us here? We live in a wicked world, don't we? We live in a wicked world. Can I tell you today, you don't have to be reminded of this too much, but can I tell you today, hard times are going to come. Some of you are living in them right now. There's people that are watching online, maybe, maybe watching later, maybe listening later, and you're living in a hard, you're living in some hard times right now. Why? Because we live in a wicked world. We live in a world that is cursed by sin, because of the choice of Adam, and because of our inherited sin, and because of our choosing of sin. Hard times are going to come. Listen, disappointments are going to come. Amen. They're going to come. Heartache is going to come. 
governments are going to retaliate. There are going to be martyrs. There's, it's still going on today across the world, friend. There are still uh, uh, believers across this planet that are going to their death because of what they believe and what they preach. What did Jesus show us here? Just because life doesn't work out right, just because hard times come, just because you find yourself in a dark valley, Listen, please. It doesn't mean the need goes away. The people still need the gospel. People still need the bread of life. Amen. People still need to be healed. See, people still need to be looked upon with compassion. We looked at that in Sunday school this morning. Hey, just because you're going through a bad time right now, and just because you're on a bad road right now, in a dark valley right now, it doesn't mean that, that, that those who are, are dying and on their way to hell, they can just get away with not having the gospel. They still need it, friend. They still need the truth of Jesus Christ. Just because we're going through a, 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 a valley in our life right now, it doesn't mean that our job goes away. It, listen, Jesus said, ye feed them. Ye bring them. Ye give them the bread of life. That's our job. It's our responsibility. Just because life hasn't turned out like we, that like, like we uh, expected it would, just because it hasn't, it doesn't mean that our responsibility goes away because we aren't where we think we ought to be. The need is still out there. There are still people every two seconds uh, dying and going, uh, many of them, a majority of them, into a Christless eternity. Just because we're going through some hard times. Just because we're in a place that we don't like. Just because we're experiencing a time of heartache and pain. And I'm telling you, God knows about it and he cares about it. But just because we're living in that place, it doesn't mean that we quit in the mission. What was the mission? He said, go, out, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Amen. Do we still believe that? Do we still believe that there's a mission that the world needs the gospel this morning? You know, so listen, friend, Jesus could have sent them away. He could have said, no, I, I'm, I'm dealing with my disciples right now. We've just gone through a really tough time. Uh, uh, what, just Somebody I love has just been beheaded by a wicked, a wicked king. And we're just dealing emotionally with this right now. And we can, can you come back at another time, please? We'll deal with it later. He could have done that. But instead, in verse 14, he had compassion on them. I said it this morning in Sunday school in the Bible where he says, mine, mine eye hath affected mine heart. Jesus looked out across the multitudes and his eye affected his heart and he said he had compassion on them. And I, and I just wish maybe, uh, just, just and, and pray that God uh, would, would do a work in our own heart that as we looked out at the, uh, at, at the multitudes that are all around us and around this church, that that same compassion would invade our life. Regardless of where we're living right now, that we'd look out at the multitudes that need Jesus Christ. Their needs were greater than 
Jesus' own human needs at that time. Jesus decided that the, the needs of the multitude were greater than the needs of his disciples. Obviously. I mean, it's kind of deductive here. Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel. Hey, friend, who else is going to tell them? If, if we're not going to tell them, who else is telling them? Who else is going to preach? Who else is going to feed? Who else is going to bring them to Jesus Christ if we don't do it? No, we live in a wicked world, amen? We are living in hard times. Some of the hard, listen, some of the hard times, yes, I know, they're of our own making. And thankfully, we have a God of grace and he understands, right? And he's gonna, he's gonna, he'll, he'll work with you there. <laughs> but disappointments are coming. Some of you are living in them right now. Heartache is coming and you're living in heartache maybe this morning. You may need some alone time. I wouldn't minimize that. Absolutely not. You might need to get away and get with the Lord and get away from things. Absolutely. But listen, as long as there are the lost, there are going to need, they are going to need to be brought to Jesus. And we're going to have to do it. Jesus said, ye feed them. You feed them. How'd they feed them? They brought them to Jesus. It's so simple. No, you don't have to, listen, you don't have to go out and create another word. We got it. You don't have to. You, have, you don't have to come out with your own, uh, you know, you know, tricky plan to get them in. You just need to show them Jesus Christ. Just need to feed them. Just need to bring them to Jesus. And listen, He'll bless it. And He'll multiply it. You know what you'll find out in your little life that seems meaningless. You'll affect a multitude that you never thought was possible. No, you believe that? No, come on now. I know we say all sorts of little gospel platitudes and little you know, cliches and things like that, but it's a fact. That's what he's saying. You take the little that you have and you bring to Jesus, he'll bless it. Yeah. Tired this morning? <laughs> you discouraged? Defeated? Bewildered? Upset, I could add. You just fill in the word that you're feeling today. You know what you do this morning? Just get back in the battle. Don't quit. Just don't quit. You see, the miracle came when the need was being met. Some of you, I said this morning, some of you aren't experiencing the, the, the presence of God and the miracles of God because you're just not walking in faith and obedience. Like the priests, remember they went out and crossed in the Jordan and the moment the, the Jordan didn't start parting until they put their feet in the water. Some of you need to put your feet in the water and just get out and preach the gospel and bring people to Jesus Christ and you'll, know, you'll, watch, you'll watch your need be met. You'll watch His presence be there again. You'll, you'll watch the comfort of the Holy Spirit of God come. You'll, you'll watch all your needs. You'll watch what you do be blessed. You'll be amazed. But our human nature, uh, trust me, I know this personally, my human nature, our human nature is to throw the hands up and go, ah, who cares?
And all the disciples did, all they did was just deliver the bread that Jesus blessed. Did you catch that? I love this. Verse, uh, verse 19, And he gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He gave the disciples to the multitude. Listen to me this morning. He has given us to the multitude because we have bread. Do you realize food doesn't really serve itself? You don't show up at the table and food just trot up and lay down there and go, okay, I'm ready. Eat me. Yeah. Neither does the gospel. It's got to be delivered to a lost world. Yeah, I know it's hard. I know life's tough. I get it. I'm there just like you are but there's still a multitude that needs to be looked on with compassion. They still need to be reached. If you do that, if you get busy doing that again, if, you do, if we just get engaged, bringing people to Jesus, He'll bless it. Yeah. I like what one man said. He said, hey, I'm just one beggar showing another beggar where to, buy, where to find bread. I'm just a beggar showing another, just one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. That's all we are. We have the bread of life. We have it. Listen, Jesus said, ye feed them. Get out and feed them. Get out and feed them. Watch what he does with it. You'll wish you'd, we'll wish you had done it sooner. <laughs> yeah. Feel like you're out of the battle? Just get back in today. Today. Just tell God, I'm in. I'm in. I know this is hard. I know what I'm going through is not fun. I don't even understand. I don't understand a thing about it. But I'm going to get back in and I'm just going to start feeding again. He'll bless it. Father, thank you. I don't know who here this morning needed this or who's watching online or watching later. But Father, the world needs the bread of life. And you've given us to the world to feed them. And though we find ourselves in some really bad times, some may be even there this this morning, totally discouraged, totally defeated, has have no clue of what is even anything means right now in their life. Just sad. Lord, would you help us to get up and just do what the Lord Jesus did? You'd help us and give us the eyes, look at the multitudes around us again, and that you'd give us that compassion to the Lord Jesus, that we'd look upon him with compassion, and we'd seek out to just to give them the bread of life. Would you help us to do that? The mission hasn't changed. The need hasn't gone away. It's still there. Would you just etch that, burn it into our hearts, into our minds? Give us a desire to out and bring him to Christ. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand, please? The invitation is open. Instruments play, and I don't know how the Lord's spoken to you today. But are you giving out the bread? Are you active showing people Jesus?
Maybe you're in a low spot and you felt like, I don't know, I've just had been too consumed with my own things. Let's see, if you get consumed with Jesus, He'd bless it and help you. Alan, would you close us in a word of prayer this morning?